Lesson number five, the biblical account of creation. Of all the doctrines the Bible teaches, this one could be one of the most attacked, one of the most criticized, and one of the most ridiculed. That God in His miraculous power could create this world that we live in in only six days. That God said, and it was so. That God said again, and it was so. That God created everything, and God saw it all, and it was very good. It's definitely attacked. Interesting statistic. In 2007, 50% surveyed said they were very familiar with creationism. 50%. In 2014, that number dropped all the way down to 38%. People surveyed said they... Only 38% said they were familiar with creationism. Part of that is written for us in 2 Peter 3, 5. Let's go over to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, for this they willingly are ignorant of. Notice the two words, willingly ignorant. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So it's not only that some people refuse to believe, but why they refuse to believe. Peter says, because they are willingly ignorant. What does that mean? It means they don't want to acknowledge truth. Now, we said this morning, and we'll say it as many times as we need to, God has given you and God has given me a free will. That that proves the love of God, quite frankly. He doesn't make you or make me do whatever He tells us to do. He wants us to choose to do those things. Just like you would want someone who says they love you to choose to love you, not because you tell them they have to. What kind of love is that? God doesn't say, you have to love me. God says, I'm giving you a free will. And in this case, it says some people use that free will and they will not acknowledge the truth. They refuse to acknowledge the truth. Now, we have the theory of evolution. Right? So we have creationism, which is what we've just been reading about in Genesis chapter 1. And then we have the theory of evolution. It requires faith. Creationism requires faith. One thing I'm sure of tonight, no one here in this room was around when God said, and it was so. You're not that old, are you? No. We weren't around. Neither was anybody around when the supposed Big Bang happened. Right? So, it's faith. So, where do you want to put your faith? Here's the thing. Do you want to put your faith in chance? Or do you want to put your faith in a creator? That's the difference. Evolution, faith in chance. Creationism, faith in in a creator. See, evolution is based on a series of suppositions and theories that have one thing in common. 
Rejection of God. Rejection of God. That's the bottom line. If we are evolutionists, then we are rejecting God. Now, we're not evolutionists, okay? But that's really the basis of evolution. Removing and rejecting God. Now, let's see. Who would be behind something like that? One guess is all you need. Satan. Satan is behind it. Satan is behind anything that is rejecting God because he hates God. So, evolution. So, if we're discounting Genesis 1 and 2, which describe the creation of the world, and we're, and we're shaky on that, then what else on the Bible can we trust? If we cannot believe Genesis 1 and 2, now we know the Bible is not all particularly chronologically written. I'm not saying that at all. It's not. The Bible is is set up in subject order. Because obviously something happened before the creation of the world. Several things did, actually, and that's not the message for tonight. I believe Satan fell before the creation of the world. Because look what happened in, in in the Garden of Eden. Who's there by in the form of a snake? Satan, he's already there. He's already been cast out of heaven. But anyway, let's stay on the topic. Creationism. So let's look at our outline. Three reasons why we can confidently believe the biblical account of creation. Number one, if you have the notebook, again, I'm sorry we don't have the note sheet. Number one, the testimony of the creator. The testimony of the creator. And you could put in parentheses, it's not in your notes, but you can put in parentheses the word here. Not H-E-R-E, but H-E-A-R. So the testimony of the Creator, we're going to hear that testimony. Now the debate that is ongoing between evolutionists and creationists has one thing in common. And I'm repeating myself and I want to say it again. Neither one of those groups were present at the supposed time of this event. But God was. God was present. So my, my, my faith, my confidence is in the Creator. In fact, He told us how He made the world. Turn over to Job 38, if you would, quickly. Job 38. Now, we've been building on these. This is lesson number five, and so you're just coming in. But I think many of you have been here for most all of these. We've been building on these. Verse number two, uh, our lesson number two was on the existence of God. We've already talked about that from his word. And so tonight it's, it's the uh, creation that we're, think, that we're talking about. Job 38 verse four, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. You know, where were you when I created everything? Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? In other words, look at what he says in verse 4. I laid the foundations of the earth. Who is this? This is God. God was there when the earth was created, so we can trust the Creator. Hear Him speak tonight. Hear Him speak from His Word. We've talked about the reliability of the Bible already the existence of God, the reliability of the Bible. And so 
Psalm 104, verse 5, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Letter A, his revelation. His revelation. Although nothing in science, which is properly understood and interpreted, contradicts the biblical account of creation. Science does not, if it's understood properly and interpreted, science does not contradict the Bible account of creation. But that is not our source for believing creation. Science is not our source. We believe in creation because it has been revealed to us in the Word of God. What we believe should be determined with what is in the Word of God. The Bible determines our beliefs. And we find it clearly in here, His revelation. Again, no one was there to witness it. Both conclusions, whether it be the theory of evolution or whether it be creationism, both of them are accepted by faith. So each decide must decide what he or she will believe based on what we say is authoritative or reliable. Is God's word reliable or not? And if you come to the conclusion that God's word is reliable, then you will come to the conclusion that this world in which we live in did not happen by chance. If there was a big bang, it wasn't, it wasn't something that supposedly can just happen. In other words, we'll come to this later, but the big, the big um, discussion is that, that matter, where, where did matter come from? Then? Did it just appear? You know, where did these things come from? They come, out from, come from nothing? And so when we, when we consider this, it is faith. It is faith, not science, that underlines our beliefs. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I'll submit to you that we even see it. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of who? God. It's a great verse to mark in your Bible. Hebrews 11, 3. That the the world was framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen, this is faith, were not made of things which do appear. Henry Thiessen defined divine revelation as the act of God whereby he discloses himself or communicates truth to the mind whereby he makes manifest to his creatures that which could not be known in any other way. What is he saying there? To boil it all down, we have a Bible that tells us that God said and it was so. Over and over and over in the Bible, it tells us that God created it. God tells us that He did it. The Bible tells us that He did it. So my faith is not in chance. My faith is in a Creator. My faith is not in a Big Bang. My faith is in the voice of God. The created world shows us the power of God. If there was any Big Bang, it was God's voice. The creative power of God. Psalm 33, 9. Psalm 33, 9. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Creation also reveals God's self-existence. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God is the uncaused cause. 
No one caused God to exist. He's always existed. He is above, beside, below, and before time. He's Almighty God. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. Here's another in the beginning. Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. That word heavens there is not speaking of of our eternal dwelling place. It's speaking of the sky, if you will. They're the work of God's hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment, verse 12. And as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same. And here, listen to this verse, Hebrews 1, 12. And thy years shall not fail. Hey, it's 2022. Whatever year you were born, and now it's 2022. So some of us are in our 30s, some of us are in our 40s, some of us are in our 50s. Have I hit yours yet? Some of us are in our 60s. Should I keep going? 70s, 80s. I don't think we have anybody here in their 90s. Ms. Carmen, if you're watching tonight, God bless you, 91. Praise the Lord. What am I saying? I'm saying that things about you and things about me, the further we're alive, begin to fail. They don't work like they used to. Amen? You know, the elbows and the knees and the shoulders and the back and everything like that, it just begins to fail on us. God never fails, though. The Lord never fails. Hebrews 1.12 says, Thy years shall not fail. I want to tell you tonight that the God of heaven is as powerful as He was, as he is, He's the, as powerful tonight as He was when He said, Let there be light. May that encourage us tonight that we might think we've got an insurmountable need or we've got an insurmountable task or we've got an insurmountable health problem or whatever. Do you realize you have access to the throne room of God who said, let there be light and there was light? You think for one minute and one second that God, can, can, God can't do what you need God to do? I don't think so. God's years never fail. He is, he is all-powerful. It doesn't matter what this world says about him. He's all-powerful. I'm thankful for that. An evolutionist worldview, though, sees matter, not God, as preeminent. Maybe you've heard of Dr. Carl Sagan. He's an atheist scientist. And here's what he said in his television series called Cosmos. He said this, the cosmos... The matter is all that is or ever was or ever will be. Just the cosmos. There's no God. Just matter. Although the evolutionist sees the universe as comprised solely of matter and energy, the biblical Christian sees instead that God, an infinite spirit, proceeds, is distinct from, and creates matter. God is eternal. Matter is not. Revelation 1 verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord. Which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty. 
Isaiah 43, 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. This is our authority. This is our, this is our, uh, our faith is in his revelation, letter A. Letter B, his reliability. His reliability. The testimony of the Creator, the words of the Creator, is not the only revelation. It is also, his reliability is also seen through creation. What do you mean? What I mean by this is the very fact that our world is still together is testimony to the reliability of God. I'm not talking about society, I'm talking about the world itself. Colossians 1.17 Colossians 1.17. In fact, I want us to read this verse together, please. If, you, if it's not in your notebook, let's turn over there to it. Colossians 1.17. This will help us tonight. Colossians 1.17. Nice to hear the rustling of the pages. Okay, if you have a digital Bible, but there's nothing like turning in your Bible. <laughs> I'm too, I'm too old school, but I use digital. I use a digital Bible, so you know, nothing like flipping through the pages. Let's read it. Ready? Colossians 1:17. Ready? And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's a key word, consist. He is before all things. He is before matter. He is before time. And by God, all things consist. Now, that word consist means this. It means to place together. It means to band together. It means to be composed of. So by God, all things are banded together, they are placed together, they are composed of. In other words, maybe you remember the song years ago that we used to sing in school, in, in church, in Sunday school. He's got the whole world. Where? In his hands. He's still got the whole world in his hands. He's still got this world. He's still got this galaxy in his hands. He's still got uh, this planet in his hands and all the planets. Why? Because it says here that by him, all things consist. They're held together. Look, if God's got this world in his hands, that means he's got you in his hands as well. You can have complete confidence in a holy God. Why? Because the testimony of the creator is true and trustworthy. You know, I can't trust me all the time. I can't trust you all the time but we can always trust God. He's never failed one time. Here's the good news. He's not going to start with you. He's not going to start with me. He's got the whole world in his hands. By him, all things consist. So that's the testimony of the creator. Number two, big number two, the testimony of the creation. The testimony of the creation. So number one, we said the testimony of the creator, we hear it. The testimony of the creation, we see it. We see it. We see it every day. The work that God did in making the world bears witness to his power and his glory. Psalm 19.1. 
Maybe you know it. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day and the day are their speech, and night and the night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Romans 1 and 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. What things have been made? Everything that you see. These mountains, our country, the beautiful trees, everything, God made it. In the beginning, God created. That's the opening statement. The word create is used 53 times in the word of God. How does the universe testify of its creator? Let's look at it. Letter A, its product. Its product. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Back to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at verse 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Notice verse 17. And God set them. The key word there is the word set. In the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. This word set means to put, to appoint, to assign, to designate. Think about this. God specifically set the sun the moon, and the stars in their divine places with divine order. We have a order. Our God is a God of order. Do all things decently and in order. Now, if these sun, moon, and stars varied even in minor details... Life as we know it would be impossible. It would be impossible to live if the sun, the moon, and the stars were even off slightly from where they have been set. And that just happened by a big bang. For me, when I think of a big bang, I think of chaos, don't you? I don't think after a big bang, everything is lined up perfectly. I think of chaos. How could an explosion lead to such order? Explosions do not equal order at all. The universe is too orderly, too intricate, too precise to have happened because of chance or an explosion. Let me give you some things quickly. Okay? Features of God's design. Number one, we live in an ideal galaxy. We live in an ideal galaxy. The earth is part of which galaxy? Who knows? It's a candy bar. Milky Way. Do we have Milky Ways here? Maybe we don't have Milky Ways here. Maybe that's from my previous uh, life uh, living in the States. Milky Way is a candy bar where I come from, 25 years ago anyway. That's, the, that's, the, that's where we live. We live in the Milky Way. It's a spiral galaxy, and it's the only kind suitable for life. No, that just happened. You see what I mean? It's faith on both sides, but it's faith in chance or faith in a creator. Which one are you tonight putting your faith in? Then we have, number two, we have an ideal solar system. 
less than 5% variation in the distance between the earth and the sun would kill all life. Less than 5%. Either through excessive heat or the opposite. We'd all freeze to death. If the sun was 5% one way or the other. Isn't that something? We have an ideal gravitational field. An ideal gravitational field. Jupiter. Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. And it acts as a vacuum cleaner. I've never thought of Jupiter as a vacuum cleaner, but it acts as a vacuum cleaner. What does this mean? Without Jupiter's gravitational field, the Earth could potentially be hit with large fragments from outer space, which would have a devastating effect on all life. We're just in the right spot, gravitationally. We have an ideal sun, an ideal sun. 90% of the stars within our galaxy are what's called red dwarfs. Our sun is a rare, perfect star to give off the precise amount of heat without producing a lethal amount of radiation. An ideal sun. And we have an ideal moon. An ideal moon. If the moon were any bigger or any smaller, it would cause the rotation around the sun to slow down or speed up. And if you know anything about the moon, it produces tides. And when that happens, if it was any, in any way or anywhere different, and those tides would cause flooding, or if they were too small, would, would, would not maintain the health of the oceans. We have just the right moon where we live. That's the product, letter A. Letter B, its purpose. Its purpose, its purpose. God did not sit, sit down one day, he was sitting down in his throne one day and think, oh, hey, I should create people. I should make an earth. I don't have anything better to do. I should just do this. You know, I'm almighty God, I can say, and it was so. I don't think that's how it happened. God is eternal. God is self-sufficient. What does this mean? God does not need me. And as much as it might hurt your feelings, God does not need you. He's eternally self-sufficient. However, God is personal. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He's self-existent. But God is personal. God wants to have a relationship with his creation. Think about it. I can't do anything. I can't offer God anything. This is God who said, you know, you know, let there be light. This is God who said, you know, he, he took some dust up and, and there's a man. This is God who said, Adam, you need to go to sleep. You're alone and you need to help me. So he put him to sleep and got a rib out of there. And boom, there's, there's Eve. There's a woman. Adam came out of his side. I can't offer God anything. But yet he loves his creation. He even said about his creation, let us make man in our own image. Again, another reference to the fact that God is not just 
singular in the sense of, yes, there is one God, but there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My life, your life, we are all part of God's plan. You see, when we eliminate God, you know what we eliminate? We eliminate our purpose for existence. Yeah, my purpose for existence is to live 60, 70, 80 years, die, and then it's all over. That's it. No, that's not true. It's not all over when you die. In fact, it's just beginning. Eternity is just beginning for you. You have a living soul. Going to live somewhere forever. So we have a purpose. That's why I believe as time goes on, at least as I've witnessed in my short life, I, I, I see less and less people, or I see, excuse me, I see more and more people re- thinking, I have no purpose for life. Why do they have no purpose for life? Because they push God completely out of their life. And when we push God out of our life, yes, we're going to think, I have no purpose. Yet we do have a purpose. There is something for you. There is something for me. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We, God's creation, we are, the, we are part of the product. God created us. Not because he didn't have anything better to do, but because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted, this, he wanted you and he wanted me to see that our life has a purpose. This young man, his life was so short, but he had been 27 years old. I can just, uh, you know, I have to believe that God had a purpose for Oscar. And excuse me, excuse me, it wasn't necessarily to do construction. Although I'm glad he had a job and he worked hard. But that's not his purpose. God did not create me to be a pastor. That's not my purpose. Because then, you know, there might come a day like a good friend of mine who had a stroke while well, he was he was a pastor and he had a stroke and, you know, he couldn't he can't pastor. So if that happens to me, am I just going to say, well, that's it. I have no purpose now because my purpose is a pastor. That's not my purpose. It's not your purpose. Your job is not your purpose. Your career is not your purpose. Your calling is not your purpose. Again, as we get older in life, we, things don't work like they used to work and, and we can become defeated and discouraged and think, well, I can't do what I used to do. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's our purpose? Right here in Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. Christian, let me help you tonight. Let God's word help you tonight. Your purpose is not uh, to do anything in a sense of be successful. I mean, yes, we want to work hard, but that's not our purpose. Our purpose is not to be the greatest IT ever or the greatest salesman ever or the greatest uh, cleaner ever or the greatest this ever. No, our purpose is right here to be to bring pleasure and to bring glory to God. And when we push God out of our life, when somebody pushes God out of their life, then their purpose ceases to exist. And it's the reason why suicide is so rampant today. Why? No purpose. But they do have a purpose. It's that the devil has blinded them 
to the love of God, from the love of God, and then there's no purpose. I just eat, drink, and be merry, and someday we die. That's the lie of the enemy. May we, may we see that in this, this lesson on creation that our purpose is way bigger than the title over the door or the title on our desk. I mean, again, praise God for all that we can do, and he's so good to us, but it's not our purpose. The product of God's creation. We are not the products of chance or accident. We are intentionally created beings who have been designed for God's pleasure. Quickly go to Psalm 139. My time is just about up, but we've got to finish here. Oh, I wasn't planning on spending all that time on purpose, but God just really challenged me to stop there for a minute. So I don't know. I think that was for for me. I know I needed it because sometimes we get caught up in our purpose as being a husband, being a wife, and these are all godly things, being a Christian, being a sister, being a brother, being a pastor, being a this, being a that. That's not our purpose. So let's move on. Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. This is why we believe that abortion is not right. Amen. This murder. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Product, purpose, letter C, perfection. Perfection. We already looked at this verse when God... God saw everything that he had made, Genesis 1.31, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. It's perfection. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, James 1.17. Number three, the testimony of the conflict. Big number three, the testimony of the conflict. Why do we believe in biblical creation? One, testimony of the creator. Hear it. Two, testimony of the creation. See it. Three, testimony of the conflict. What does this mean? One of the indicators that truth, the truth of creation is so important is the amount of work the devil puts into undermining it. If it wasn't that big of a deal, I don't think we'd have evolution as a theory today. Right? Makes sense. Why have something else if it's not a big deal? It is a big deal. It is a big deal. If it were a minor issue, Satan would not devote so much time and effort convincing people of the lie of evolution. His purpose, like our purpose, is to glorify God. His purpose is to undermine the Word of God and God Himself. Letter A, the realm of rebellion. The realm of rebellion. Satan once was known as Lucifer and he held an exalted position in heaven. He was bright and glorious. 
He was the leader among the angels in the worship of God, but he too had a free will. Don't miss that. Lucifer had a free will. And he said, I will be like the Most High. God even let Lucifer choose. He even let the angels choose, and many of them left with him. And those are the demons that are working for Satan even today. In other words, Satan determined that he would become the exalted one himself. That passage, I won't read it for time. It's Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. If you've never read uh, Isaiah, that's specifically that chapter. It's the rebellion of Lucifer. In other words, uh, again, I repeat, the purpose of everything Satan does is to undermine the plan of God. He is the liar and father of it, John 8, 44. Genesis 3, 1 to 4, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, What was he doing? He was questioning the word of God right from the very beginning. Evolution is an assault on the trustworthiness and reliability of God. Biologist Francisco Ayala said Charles Darwin's greatest accomplishment was to show how the development of life is, quote, the result of a natural process natural selection without any need to resort to a creator. Wow. Talk about confusion. Talk about deception. Michael Denton, an Australian molecular biologist and physician, agreed that Darwinism broke man's link with God. The decline in religious belief can probably be attributed more to the propagation and advocacy by the intellectual and scientific community of the Darwinian version of evolution than to any other single factor. Evolution is one of Satan's greatest tools to blind people to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4.4 In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Here's what the theory of evolution says. Nothing times nobody equals everything. Nothing times nobody equals everything. And here we are today. It requires a complete disregard of everything that God has said. Complete disregard. And again, one of the reasons why we, we, not we, one of the reasons why society wants to push God out is because when you push God out, you have no creator and you have no judge to deal with someday. We can live however we want. And in the end, we die. That's it. That's not what the Bible says. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. You can read Romans 1, 21 and 22, Romans 1, 25. Skipping through some of this. So, letter B. Letter B. The road to restoration. Praise God, the Lord is merciful. 
We mentioned that several times this morning. God offers a pathway for sinful man to know him. We talked about that last Sunday. Through the death of his son on the cross. Sinful man can come to a holy God. Why? Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The key to knowing God is not simply faith in creationism or intellectual design. It is faith in the revelation of the Creator. Acts 20.21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. By way of conclusion, three things we've talked about. Number one, the testimony of the Creator. Right here. This is the testimony of the Creator. It's It's not Pastor Turner. It's not the Baptists. It's the Bible. That's the testimony. Secondly, the testimony of the creation all around us, including you and including me. We are part of that testimony. And then number three, if it's not a big deal, why the conflict? Why the testimony of the conflict? If we surrender on the topic of evolution in order to be accepted by the world around us, We are giving up a key distinctive of our faith. The biblical account of creation. It is a big deal. And God said, it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And God said, very good. Faith in chance or faith in the Creator.